0: Welcome to the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast, a Primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this
1: morning. Welcome, my friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 40283 Wolf Road, just outside of Caledonia, Mississippi, in Monroe County. And I also welcome you on behalf of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, in between Mathiston and Ackerman, Mississippi, and they are pastored by my good and dear friend, Elder David Wise. Thank you for joining us today. If you've a repeat listener, thank you for joining us, and we beg that you would pray. Continue to pray fervently for this effort in ministry. And if you're a first time listener, we hope and pray that you'll lend an ear and that you'll be edified today and learn with us today here on Gospel of Grace. Go to our website, gospel-of-grace com, and uh, take advantage of the resources on that website. We have archived messages, a church locator, frequently asked questions, many resources. We also worship together, both Macedonia and Sulphur Springs. And we also are there available for students from Mississippi State University. And we worship every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m., every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Uh, at New Covenant Church on 200 West Gar- Garrard Road. That's G-A-R-R-A-R-D, West Garrard Road in Starkville, Mississippi. 200 West Garrard Road. And we would love for you to come and join us Uh, as we meet together at that facility, New Covenant Church. Today we have a message for you regarding grace, and we hope and pray that you will stay tuned with us after this hymn. We'll be right back with today's message. Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast. And as always, I'm Elder Joe Nettles. And I'm here with you turned uh, in my Bible to Romans chapter 8. And I'd like to think about grace today in a special way. Uh, the name of our broadcast is Gospel of Grace. We rely heavily upon grace. We speak often of grace. And I want to ask you whether or not you think that grace is actually indispensable When it comes to salvation. Now, somebody may say, well, that's a silly question, but I'll ask you, have you ever come across situations in your life, both sacred and secular, and you've been brought to think to yourself, well, I know me and I know that in me, I would never choose that, or I would never do that. I would never go there. I would never be found guilty of that. I would never believe that. Does that sound familiar? I think all of us, we have that little self reliant streak in ourselves, and that's part of our nature. But friends, we must understand how wholly, how completely, how utterly we depend upon the free grace of the Lord God. First and foremost in salvation, without it, there is none. And not only that, in many aspects of our lives that we just tend to take grace for granted, that we don't actually think that we need grace. Friends, I want to tell you, we need the Lord Jesus Christ and his grace every moment of every day that we live in this sin-cursed earth. Now, having turned to Romans chapter 8, let's look at one respect in which we truly cannot uh, do without grace. We go to Romans chapter 8. We'll begin reading in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now, of course, you know Romans chapter 8 speaks heavily about the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of the child of grace. So we'll read again. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. What is infirmities? It means our weaknesses, our sicknesses, our illnesses, our faults, the things that are wrong with us. So the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Think about prayer, something just as basic in the life of a believer in Christ, of a discipled Christian, as prayer. How badly we need the grace of the Lord to be able to even pray. In a couple of different places in the word of God, it tells us without a shadow of a doubt why we cry out for the Father. And that's what prayer is. It's a cry out for intercession. It's a cry out for supplication. It's a cry out of thanksgiving. When we're in need, when we're uh, heart heavy, When we're sick and sore, we cry out unto the Lord. Well, how do you cry out, Abba, Father? Well, according to the word of God, it's only after you've received the spirit of adoption. That's right, the Holy Spirit of God. That's the reason we recognize God as our father and long for him as our father and fear him in a reverential way as our father. So here he says, you don't know how to pray for things as you ought. What things are we talking about? I mean, are we talking about pneumonia, gout? Are we talking about, uh, you know, our, our bad back, sciatica, and things of that nature, or the headache that we suffer with from time to time? Yes, that's right. You don't know how to pray for those things as you ought. So isn't it a relief to know that the Spirit is, that dwells within you, that spirit that first prompted you to pray unto God, a heartfelt prayer. I'm not just talking about something you've read out of a book or something you just let roll off of your lips. I'm talking about a prayer that emanated from a grace-tendered heart. It was that spirit that prompted you to pray. And friends, when you pray, you must have the grace of the Lord. Here he says, without the spirit intercession, our prayers are very paltry. And I would say, utterly ineffective. Now think about this. If you don't know how to pray for your infirmities, if you don't know how to pray for your weaknesses in a fleshly way, how in the world do you think you could ever make yourself drum up in yourself or rely upon yourself, uh, listening friend today, how is it you could believe that you could bridge the gap between being a dead alien sinner, falling in your sin and cursed under sin, without salvation, without the Spirit of God, how do you think that you could somehow stir up a prayer that would be tender and gracious enough unto God by which you'd be saved? Friends, it's impossible. The Holy Spirit of God, if the Holy Spirit of God knows that you don't know how to pray for gout as you ought to, then God certainly knows there's no way you would ever pray or desire salvation in Jesus Christ without Him producing it in you through the manifest work of the Holy Spirit of God. Thank God that he makes intercession for us. Jesus makes intercession for us at the right hand of the majesty on high. And the Holy Spirit of God maketh intercession for us in groanings which cannot be uttered. Those guttural, uh, deep, uh, unable to express urges and weaknesses and fears that we have, the Holy Spirit is able to search the heart and knows you better than you know yourself. Thanks be unto God for the grace to pray. Amen. Well, let's look at our provision, another aspect in which we need the grace of the Lord heavily. We go to Luke chapter 12. We'll read verses 22 through 26. And what do I mean by provision? I mean a daily bread to eat, clothes to wear, oxygen to breathe, gravity to hold you to this sorry earth. All of these things are Provided, they are provision. Those are things that you absolutely need to survive. Water, medicine, air, all of these things. So we go to Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens. Now, I want you listening, friend, to do as Jesus said, consider the ravens. How tenderly do you think toward the ravens, the crows that are out there eating carrion or uh, just uh, eating the corn uh, that you depend upon? Nobody really cares much for the crows, the ravens, but here Jesus said, consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit. If ye, if ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, notice that, that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? How badly do you need grace? You need grace for all of your provision. Well, friends, here he says, by your own thought, by your own industry, you cannot stir up think up and conceive of all the things and the ways that you need to plan and to execute to be able to provide for yourself in this world. How greatly and how often we take it for granted that every morsel of food that we eat, every drop of rain that falls, uh, every time that we receive protection, every time that we receive a medicine, an antibiotic shot, we need to give thanks unto the Lord. Because here he says, you with your Thought abilities. Oh, and we think very highly of our thought abilities, right? I think this and I think that. Well, friends, our thought ability cannot change our physical being one iota. How much less can your thought capacity and ability execute anything outside of yourself? There was a lot said during the 70s about the power of positive thinking, and there may be something to positive thinking when it comes to psychological aspects. But friends, the power of positive thinking will never fill a bucket of water. The power of positive thinking uh, can never heal a cancer. No, friends, it takes grace of the Lord. And we do not need to take that for granted. If you can't do that which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? And again, I'm going to bring this right back to eternal salvation. If you are unable to think yourself better, think yourself taller, or even think yourself more handsome or pretty, here he said, that is... You know, that's the least. And some them would say, well, that sounds like a great thing to me. That sounds like a, a wonderful parlor trick, a great power if I had that power. Oh, it would be. But he calls it the least. Jesus says, if you can't do the least, then why take you thought for the rest? Now, let's even go past provision, our provision that we receive each and every day. What about being saved from death and sin to a life in Jesus Christ? Friends, you can't just think your way into that. You can't be a dead alien sinner and be changed by any communication of man or anything that you read or any one that even witnesses to you unless the Holy Spirit of God does that for you. You cannot bridge the gap. Well, let's look at natural perils just a minute. How badly do we need grace? How badly do we take it for granted? I ask you. We go to... First Kings chapter 19. And by natural perils, I mean storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, monsoons, uh, gale force winds, earthquakes, wildfires, things of that nature. We go to First Kings chapter 19 and we're going to see the account of Elijah. Here Elijah is discouraged. Here Elijah has been uh, brought to the, the mouth of a cave in Mount Sinai. And here the Lord is going to reveal some things to him. And he came, beginning in verse nine, and he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And now they, they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And notice this a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. What a wind that must have been. Someone would say, Wow, the Lord really just of his own divine power sent this wind and made it strong enough to rend the rocks. No friends, because notice what it said. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Someone will say, well, if there's an earthquake, it's able to shake the earth. If it's able to move the tectonic plates underneath our feet, then it must be a great power of the Lord for him to do this on demand. But no, friends, notice it said, but the Lord was not in the earthquake either. And after the earthquake, a fire. We can only imagine what kind of fire this was. It couldn't have been just some campfire or even a bonfire. This is a fire that must have struck fear In the heart of Elijah, as he beheld it, it must have been quite a spectacle. But the Lord was not in the fire. What does this mean? And after the fire, a still small voice. Well, I thank God that he manifested himself unto Elijah. He showed Elijah that he was not in the natural forces without him, but he did show Elijah that he was within him. That's why he was able to hear that still small voice. You see, any voice that we speak with the mouth Anything that we hear with the ear, it must be vibrations. It's not a still voice. This was a still small voice. This is a voice that came in directly into the heart and soul of Elijah. But now let's get back to the natural disasters here that were on display. It said the Lord was not in them. And someone might say, I don't understand that. Brother Joe, here is Elijah. And in this one moment in time, we see three cataclysmic natural perils fall down right at the feet of Elijah to manifest before him. That must have been by the power of the Lord. The Lord must have directed that and caused it to be at that one moment in time of his own volition and of his own natural power. Friends, I want you to consider this. We live in a sin-cursed earth. What did it say in Genesis chapter 3? What was the curse that was pronounced unto Adam when not only mankind fell in their federal head, Adam, but also the entire universe became corrupt and polluted with sin? In Genesis chapter three, verses 17 through 19, and unto Adam he said, "'Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife "'and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, "'saying thou shalt not eat of it, "'cursed is the ground for thy sake. "'And sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. "'Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, "'and thou shalt eat the herb of the field "'in the sweat of thy face.'" shalt thou eat bread. Notice not only is the ground corrupt, but now the atmosphere, the environment is corrupt. He said, it's going to be so hot, it's going to be rigorous. By the sweat of your face, thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. You see, the entire universe was cursed with sin. Now, friends, what does that mean? I posit for you today, listening friends, that if it were not for the restraining grace of the Lord, that means grace that he extends toward us in restraining the natural forces of this corrupt and sin-cursed universe. I posit for you today that we would all, all of mankind would have been destroyed eons ago, ripped to shreds by fire, by earthquake, by tornadoes, by monsoons. Why? Because friends, I believe that The reason we saw these three uh, great cataclysmic events take place in this one place is not because the Lord made them have to happen at that one point. But I believe the Lord simply removed his restraint from off of this sin cursed nature and just naturally organically they're waiting to happen but not able to happen because the Lord had been restraining it up to this point. Waiting to happen was the fire and the earthquake and the wind. And the Lord just removed his restraint and this sin-cursed universe manifested itself there before Elijah. But friends, thanks be unto God that we're not destroyed day in and day out. So I will tell you, friends, sometimes when we stop and we see tornadoes and natural disasters, it's natural within us. It's understandable to an extent, but it's also natural within us to ask, why, God? Why would you allow this to happen? Friends, the better question would be, why not, God? We, w- you know, God is not responsible for this sin-cursed world. He didn't cause it to be corrupt and polluted. No, in his grace and in his mercy, he restrains the winds and the fire and the earthquake. He holds the tectonic plates uh, to a large extent so that this earth has not imploded on itself long time ago. Friends, just because we see these things manifest from time to time, it ought to serve as a reminder of the good and powerful grace that the Lord gives unto unworthy sinners such as we are. Yes, praise praise his name. Praise him every day. Now, one more place I want to look is regarding worship. How much grace do you need to worship well, think people think anybody can worship. Just go get anybody off the street, convince them to love the Lord, take them into a church house. They'll jump up and down, enjoy the laser lights and the smoke machines. They'll sing 58 verses of one song monotonously. I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but y'all come on. Uh, that's more of uh, inducing a trance than it is actual worship. They think that's worship. But friends, notice how frail and weak in worship we are. Now, again, I don't I don't mean to sound snide, but I do not agree with so much of what passes for worship today in this world claiming Christendom. But what about my own worship as a primitive Baptist? We have congregational singing, we have uh uh, family integrated worship we don 't divide off into groups we sit and we listen to the gospel message being preached we We hear men publicly pray and we pray along with them and and we hear uh, the the singing we have song leaders that lead in hymns, and everyone in the congregation is invited and encouraged to sing along in their song books we don 't have entertainments and things of that nature it 's very simple, pure worship uh, that we see as being aligned with the New Testament example, but friends, even my efforts to worship day by day are worthless when it comes to what the Lord deserves. We need his grace even in worship. Notice in Romans chapter four, speaking of the four beasts, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. Now these are beasts that show forth, some believe, the aspects of the Lord Jesus Christ. Certainly you can see that in these beasts, but also I think you see different Uh, periods of time in the history of this earth manifest in these beasts. But one way or the other, they are obviously for the glorification of the Lord. There they are around the throne. There they are giving obeisance and praise unto God. And notice what it said next. It said, and they rest not day and night, saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. Day and night. Wow. Go to Revelation chapter seven. Notice what it says here. And uh, beginning in verse 14, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. So in both of those passages, we see a supernatural heavenly vision. One of the four beasts and the other is a a, a typification and expression of the martyrs uh, that will suffer greatly during the tribulation before the second coming of Jesus Christ. But notice, day and night, uh, without ceasing, they rest not day and night. Friends, it is burdensome seemingly in this day and age. It amazes me that people claiming Christ, that people who say, I'm a Christian, have to be begged and pleaded to, to actually come to church, to the place where Christ established and told his little sheep to flock. He is the bedrock, the foundation stone upon which the church is built. We're supposed to be lively stones built up together. And here I spend so much of my time trying to convince people who say they love Christ to come together faithfully and assemble and worship in church. And if you're under the sound of my voice and this offends you, then by God, you stand offended by the truth. Christians ought to worship together. But friends, we're so weak and fainting in worship. I just thank God, my friends, that the Lord has blessed us with grace, that our efforts to worship Him, though very often fallen, failing, uh, distracted, how often are we distracted during worship? My goodness. I, I, look, I'm standing up in the pulpit preaching to the congregation. I see people get distracted. I see how often uh, they look at their watches, clip their fingernails, uh, laugh and smirk and whatever they do. I, I see it. It is, and, and me, when I'm not in the pulpit, I get distracted as well. You see, if it were not for the grace of the Lord, receiving our worship that is acceptable unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, friends, there would be absolutely nothing that we could do that would honor and glorify him. Anything commensurate to what he deserves. But yet he takes our tired little worship, our prayers as smoke from a golden censer, our worshipful hearts and thoughts. And even though uh, they may be distracted and even though they may only be uh, punctate uh, along our, through our week of busyness and distraction, friends, I want you to understand thanks be unto God for his grace that he hears it. And he receives it and he accepts it. Don't you, don't you just long for the day when Jesus returns and we're glorified to give him perfect praise. People are looking forward to a lot of things, vacations and, uh, you know, presidencies and all. I'm not looking forward to any of that mess. I'm looking forward to being able to praise and worship my Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in a way that is fitting. Oh, one day it'll be, my friends. While I'm down here, you and I, we can only do the best we can do. But do it, we should. I thank you for staying tuned with us today. I hope this has been some blessing and edification to you. And until we're able to speak with you again on such noble, wonderful subjects, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be ever present in your mind and meditations.
0: If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a primitive Baptist church in your community. To find a primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15 just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.
2: the